Welcome to Authorized, a podcast where we viciously discuss the novelization of any film fortunate enough to have one. Except, we don't. Not always, and not today. Instead, we will sometimes jump into the spin-off novels, written in a franchise's widely referred to dead years, <laughs> and hope for the best. Spin-off novels are grim, sadistic works that first name their villain Big Red, which is unkind enough. These novels, <laughs> however, are not content to give this character just one tragic backstory. <laughs> and so instead, spring for seven or eight, making Big Red's life an endless morass of abuse and misery. Spin-off novels are a hell into which we send characters to squirm until they die. We are your hosts, a loose coalition of girl band enthusiasts. That's from a previous episode. <laughs> We're your hosts, a loose coalition of novelization enthusiasts. My name is Andrew Overby. I'm Hannah Blackman. And I'm Andrew Marco. Jason's Curse is a novel written by Eric Morris. It is the second book in Morris's Friday the 13th spinoff series, Camp Crystal Lake. The previous entry ended with the defeat of a possessed, rampaging hunter and the dumping of the mass that possessed him into the series' titular lake. The second book dares to ask... What if a lake is not a trash can? And you can get stuff back out of it, actually. When a differently abled fisherman accidentally snags Jason Voorhees' mask on his line, he swiftly becomes the next object of its possession. Playing on the fisherman's history of abuse and trauma, the mask manipulates him into taking the lives of those who have wronged and disfigured him, and then to kill whomever he can, else he can find. Uh, little does this cursed mask know that one of its previous victim's siblings, Kelly Boone, is coming to take her revenge. While Kelly plans to meet her brother's killer in the woods of Crystal Lake, she plans to leave alone and victorious. Jason's Curse was published in 1994 by Berkeley Books. So, of course, this uh, novel is written by the same author as the previous book, Eric Morse. And the one time that I went back and did another bio on an author it didn't turn out so well because it turned out i slandered him <laughs> so i'm not gonna do five eric morse bios um but i will say that if i had done a second one it probably would have been about how he posted a video to his youtube channel about whether his favorite sandwich shop was better or worse than another sandwich shop and then concluded that the one that he had already declared his favorite at the beginning was the best <laughs> He seems like a fascinating man. Joining us today, <laughs> he's a fascinating man, uh, and 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 just brazenly uh, champions foregone conclusions, <laughs> which, which I appreciate. He, you know, he 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 knows himself. Joining us today, good friend of ours, Matt Dartnell. Matt, coming into this this very strange assignment to read the spinoff book uh, that came out during the widely referred to dead years. Of the uh -huh. Friday the 13th series. And not just mm -hmm. the first spinoff book, but instead the second. Um, I just want to ask, what was your relationship to this series to begin with? And just what are your initial thoughts on Jason's Curse? Uh, thank you for having me here to talk about this very fun, very silly book. Um, my relationship to the franchise is I love it. It's not always great. Uh, the movie I watched for this episode is maybe my least favorite of the bunch. But like, 
the formula is strong and I like the ingredients. It's just always a pretty good time. And, um, you know, with so many entries, it's just fun to see how, how people can still play around with the mythology and the formulas and still have a good time with it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, love the movies. I've been watching less TV. So anytime I can dip into this kind of like repetitive structure kind of thing, it, it scratches that same itch and the book did the same. It's, I had a good time. I'm getting the feeling that you're like team Hannah here that you just like when the movies are all the same. I don't like it. I'm a, I'm uh, a, I'm a big let Jason that. take Manhattan guy. I mean, I feel like aside from the two or three that are like actually horrible, um, I like all of them and they're great and I love them. Totally. Like they go from being yeah. like the best movies I've ever seen and I love them so much to movies I never want to watch again. And there's nothing in between. Like if I ever mm-hmm. rewatch yeah. Jason go to he- goes to hell, like slap me something's yeah, wrong check with on me you. Uh, <laughs> I, I rewatched it today oh i'm so sorry um, it's yeah it's pretty bad were you told did someone hold you at gunpoint no no i i i was curious i had rated it pretty low i i thought maybe a second watch would bump it up a little bit um and and i did i was curious to see like if it tied into the book at all and i don't think it does the previous side really from, ties in just barely and this one drops it completely i think i felt I, andrew i thought you were gonna make some sort of comparison that they all tie in because there's a running theme in these first two books about worms and leeches and possession and like the horror of crystal lake being some yes like the the place itself having some sort of bad mojo uh-huh. i mean jason goes to hell is so much about him possessing other people and now mm-hmm. these books have i mean so far too one in or after the other about possessing people and doing crimes. I mean, it feels mm-hmm. like they're like indebted, like spiritually, yes. if not explicitly. It, I, I think that's totally true. It's taking the concept of Jason goes to hell, which is that Jason is this thing that can jump from body to body mm-hmm. and being like, that's a series and that's I, my series. I do love the way that is explained in Jason Goes to Hell, uh, where Creighton Duke, I wrote it down when I watched it today. He's like, what you think of as Jason is not Jason. It's a body that he's wearing. It's just meat. And that boy knows how to dress. And I think that's so funny. (laughs) And then it's just like, because now in the book, we have like spirit of Jason and also spirit of hockey mask, which is fascinating for us to have like... the the where does it end we're just going to keep fractaling out with like cursed right. jason objects that have that power i have i have one continuity question before we really jump into jason's curse which is just i watched jason x and i was like okay i get that they wanted to do freddy versus jason but couldn't do it yet but where does it fit into the timeline because he went to freddy hell versus jason at the oh. end of well no well he goes clearly you haven't rewatched it recently <laughs> at the beginning of freddy versus jason he comes back from hell. Fix so, the elevator. So Jason X is a sequel the to Freddy versus Jason? Chronologically. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. And also, <laughs> I really want the movie, the sequel to Jason X, I will say, because at the end when the kids see his mask falling from the sky and they're like, oh, a shooting star. Let's go check it out. I was like, yeah. Jason in Blade Runner world? Like, show me future Earth with Jason. Like, future Earth and super Jason, who's, like, big. Like, I want to see more of that guy. (laughs) That would be awesome. 
Even That'd my plus-up so version of myself involves a mask. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, jumping into Jason's curse, uh, what did you guys think of the antagonist of Jason's curse, our character Big Red? I mean, he does have too many oh, yeah. things going on, as you mentioned but in the it, intro. But it's, <laughs> yes, he is, he is rife with a lot of bad backstory, but I preferred it over, and Matt, you may not have known about the first book mother's day the the villain in the first one is very blank he's mm-hmm. super anonymous we don't really, once he becomes possessed by the mask we basically never hear see anything from his perspective again got it so i at least found it compelling to see big red is still himself to some extent mm-hmm. and like the jason essence of like jason you have to imagine is like every time he sees a teenager is like, oh, this is reminding me of when I drowned. I'm so upset about this. I got to kill them. Uh So to see that sort of take over Big Red, be like, I need to go confess my crimes, but then remember something terrible that happened to him. Can I, can I I explain our friend Big Red? (laughs) Yes, please to the the listener, because they have no idea about Big Red unless they read this because they love us (laughs) (laughs) or listen to the audio book. Please listen to the audio book. Yeah, you guys did that and said it was good. I might huge fan of the try, audio. Try it again. Stuff. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it goes by pretty quick. So <laughs> I'm also a fan, but I will say that this second book stuck in my memory way less than the first, and I think part of it is it being a less distinct book, and part of it is that I listened to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts with Big Red, who, uh, yeah, me- mentally handicapped due to the extreme abuse he experienced as a child from and I, just I about every adult in his life explained to me because i don't think i have the the incidents separated in my mind so uh our friend first big of all red, he's 45 our, our, he's, he's 45 he wears overalls he's big he is <laughs> kind of like lenny from with mice and men who morphs into leather faces like angry cousin <laughs> once the mask goes on and so he starts out kind of normal he's fishing he loves to fish and he never catches anything and then he catches jason's mask and he puts it on and then i mean the book just feels like a goosebumps book which is really fun and so the fact that he like takes the mask and puts it on and wh- whatever dent in his head pops up like the iron giant or something like that it's just like <laughs> it's so silly and then it is like it just channels his anger and he has so much anger and has never had like the capacity to like understand it or process it. And Mm -hmm. now like all the bad memories keep flooding in and that's what makes him go fucking nuts. And it's just like, it is weirdly sympathetic in the same way that I think like Leatherface is. Uh, And I think it does. I liked being in Jason's head, right? Like the Jason figure, like it it, it is interesting to like, experience his thought process at least a little bit where he's like look at these look at these kids they're having a really nice picnic i have no desire to kill them and then he has a memory of like other teenagers who you know were terrible to him and he's like they're also laughing at me now they gotta die and just to like have that moment where he's like i would really like to be invited to this picnic please is like really (laughs) funny to me i like it it is funny to see that like the first five or six people that die in this novel all to some extent probably deserve it you are rooting hard like his, for them his to get it are like those that couple from the prologue of magnolia <laughs> does anyone know what i'm referencing yeah uh yes yeah, so the one with the the guy that jumps off the building 
Yeah, yeah. like his parents suck. I mean, th- th- this is such a town of hillbillies, but all of these people who have because I, I think his traumas are his father bashed him in the head with a iron when he was a baby. That's why he is mentally challenged and has a dent in his head. Yeah, his, his proto uncle shot him in the eye with an arrow because he was interrupting their hunt in the so eye yeah that he was like he was like okay i mean he's like alive uh yeah magically did not kill him should have killed him instead he should have killed him and instead he just gets a glass eye that is kind of super powered it is revealed so and he uh his another proto uncle drunk got him drunk and then allowed him to use a chainsaw in which he cut off his leg or cut into <sighs> his leg and it had to be amputated. Fuck, I forgot so about that one. he has a one. fake leg. Kind of and a then, lot. of course, his mother had red hair probably and cursed him. <laughs> <with red> hair, so <laughs> he's just got a lot. Wait, of is that all the injuries? With. It's eye, back of head. What happened to the leg? It got cut off. It got okay. chopped off. A lot of discussion rule, of that blue, blue sight leg. Yeah. Um, and, and for, you know, for this to be a Friday the 13th franchise thing, most of the gory moments are in his flashbacks. Like none of the kills are particularly gruesome. You can tell this is written for like teens, except for when his when he's being abused when he's a kid. Like those are the most brutal parts of the book. Yeah, I, I want to uh, speak for a second about our our protagonist, our main character, um, who I, is Jason's mask. Um, <laughs> the mask, I think, is consistent between the two books in the sense that like beggars can't be choosers like the mask wants to possess a person to do killings and in the mm-hmm. first book this hunter stumbles upon Pamela Voorhees' grave and the mask somehow ends up on him and there's a real sense when he goes to like kill his friends and stuff that his friends are just completely blindsided because they're like oh my good friend the hunter surely he could mean me no harm he's such a nice man and then he comes and brutally kills them uh so that really feels like the mask like yanking or like rending this person into a killer and being like i Uh need you to kill we're just gonna do it and then the second one the mask is like oh i got some anger i can work with I don't have to do that much. I just got a point. I got a point and remind. Like to wind up the doll, send it in. Like it's over. I do wonder is if, is the mask like a thing that made little frog boy, Jason, a murderer, or is the mask Jason's essence in a mask? Because like big red is so much like what we know of little Jason in some ways, like loving mother, horrible things happen to him. People make fun of him. He does murders. It feels like if the mask is Jason, he's like, here's a guy who's just like me. I know exactly how to get him murdering. Been there, done that. Um, it, It has to be some sort of essence transferred at the end of Jason Goes to Hell when he goes to hell and his mask is left behind because... Of course, this is like the fifth mask or something in the series. Oh, that's the that's the split. Jason, that's why there's Jason's spirit and evil mask that just wants to right. kill. But his books are not as clear with this like supernatural mythology as I kind of need them to be. Especially the end of this book, which has like five ghosts oh in it. Oh my god! I mean, we'll oh my god! Here, but like, <laughs> I, I still don't, that really threw me for, through a loop when we got to the ending. I don't want to jump ahead, but... <laughs> I, I was explaining I, the book. I did not see that coming. I was explaining the book to my partner, and when I got to that part, she was like, 
wait repeat everything you just said <laughs> I, i'm very confused and i was like yeah I, I was pretty confused too well i was just gonna say that i think the key difference between the last book and this one with our actual gang of teenagers is that the last book leans into teenagers want to fuck each other and they everything is potential as a teen so like everyone in the last book is like pining for someone else and oh i hope i sleep with this person i hope i sleep with this person this book is like everyone's in a committed relationship with each other and it's just with the wrong person right the danger is like (laughs) infidelity or not being honest with yourself which i thought Uh was an interesting twist but also slightly anticlimactic because the things that are telegraphed like oh this person's gonna cheat on this person with this person at the beginning of the book just play out exactly as telegraphed well, there's these four friends, and like Matt said, like they're just with the wrong people. Like Kelly should just be with Miguel, and Tina should just be with Doug, and they would be all be a lot happier. It's not that hard, Hannah. you guys. Duh. Hey, Hannah, could you break down our, our our quartet? Sure. So there's Kelly Boone, who is Billy Boone's sister. So Matt, for your context, Billy Boone was like the second hero of the previous book. We all loved him. He rocked. He got his head shot off by Jason. He was Shit. driving yeah. a motorcycle and he got his head shot off while he was driving it. Yeah. And uh, someone else was on the back. Okay, first the good death. That's a good death. It was and pretty gnarly. Second, second uh I mean Hunter Jason using guns makes sense. Just like Jason with guns is always fascinating. So. Yeah, I was worried this good was going to be a Jason with a gun book and then it wasn't. And I was pleased. Mhm. It kind yeah. of was though. Doesn't he use a he gun at the beginning? And the end? He uses a he uses a lot more and... than just a gun. I I guess yeah. like and in the it, previous it saves book, until the end. Lots of guns. Yeah, and it's, I was, you know. it's more Jason mm-hmm. asking that he uses what is around him. Mm-hmm. Like he's resourceful. And like, well, there's an axe here. I should go use that and kill someone. Oh, there's a gun here. Yeah, he plays. Um, he plays the classic game of poo dollar at one point where he <laughs> throws out the money and reels in a fucking dummy. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, I, I was pretty confused ingenious. by that because when he the guy grabs the dollar bill, he literally does that, like the dollar bill I mean, on he's the very fishing poor. line. It, it basically, the, the audiobook was like, his f- hand exploded. Like, it sounded like it just <laughs> tore it up. It was just a hook, right? Just I mean, a little he hook. He grabs the hook, gets the hook through his hand, and then it is bad. But then it's through I don't his know, hand enough that ultimately. his body is dragged by the hand. Yeah. Yeah, I see no yeah. flaws. His name here. is Big okay. Red. He's got the, the big strength. Guy. Yeah, and all he does is just rewind his fishing line. That's established. In the oh, beginning of the that's so oh. true. Pulling up logs day after day. I want to talk about that that first page. I, I don't have it up in front of me, but there was a lot of great characterization of Big Red right off the bat. We're just gonna talk about where... Big Red for like two hours, and then be like, "Hey, also they're teens." Sorry, Tina. <laughs> the first I didn't she have to even, Google. She doesn't even get like a final death, so we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have to Google to figure this out um, to make this joke work, but the first half of this book, I thought I was attending Cornell University because I was thinking, go Big Red. Um, But I I knew that, and I didn't have to Google it right now. Um, So anyway, yeah. You were trying to Google what their mascot was? (laughs) No, I just knew somebody was Big Red. Red. You know, I wasn't trying to Google what Cornell's mascot was. That suggests that I... (laughs) That suggests that I would have made the joke if it was like, you know... Tomcats or whatever. Um, okay. So on the first couple pages, there's a lot of characterization of Big Red. Uh, he goes out fishing every day, but he always forgets bait. 
and he's content with that. He just likes yeah, to put his empty fishing line and just sit and and he whatever. He doesn't want to catch a fish up... and have to kill it. He's a gentle giant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, I like it. And then he thinks about the moon or sees the moon. I don't know if the moon's still up. And he likes Jason's hockey mask because it looks like the moon. And he likes the moon because his mother explained to him that the man in the moon is always sad looking. Big Red's like, why is the man in the moon always sad looking? And his mother says, because he feels bad for you, Big Red. (laughs) And that's why Big Red is drawn to the mask. (laughs) Uh, Just a little bit more setup of that. They describe him as a guy who wouldn't hurt a flea. And we know that because he has a lot of them. That's what the that's what the book says. I think my favorite my favorite big redism on that note, similar to that, big is redism. He's remembering the people he killed: his mother, his father, uh, Tuck. That was five. Like he counts three as five. Like they, they do some interesting characterization with him. Hey, he makes choices on every single character. You're not fit for the house. <laughs> I love that I guy. I think the fact that these are designed <laughs> as novels for young adults, they are swear-free. Mm-hmm. Uh, people want to have sex, but no one even ever gets to the point of like taking a shirt off. Uh, and the violence is like there. This book, I felt like, in a lot of ways, had more... Maybe it's because it had more Jason S. Kills. It felt more interesting in how it described violence. Because a lot of the other book was just like, they got shot. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one, like uh, Doug Sanderson's death, when he falls, he impales himself on the wooden stakes in the mm-hmm. ground in the trap. I thought that felt very like Friday the 13th-esque. Mm-hmm. And was something I was waiting for in the previous book because it didn't have those sort of Jason kills Well, it- that the series is known for it does a lot with cutaways in that regard just to like stay cool for the 13 year olds you know where there's a lot of chapters that end with like and then he raises the axe and then we cut away to the next chapter and i but think most of the the next chapters begin with the axe came down and killed the person but it's always like you know it's always from like a different <laughs> angle and you're just like oh cool and so you know when 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 doug falls in the pit and the way you describe the aftermath like would have been a scene in the movie, you know, where it's like you see him as though he was reaching out for help. And if it was like the actual like filmed movie version, I think you'd see him land and squirm and just like do that whole thing, which I think is clever. I think it's fun. Yeah. That's a nasty one. I do feel like half the teens like accidentally kill themselves, which feels unusual. I mean, Mm like Doug is killed by leeches. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And all those evil Jason leeches. Like, could Do normal leeches, leeches kill you like that? Uh... I, I could not tell you they do they do make it clear that there are a lot of leeches where it's like she was not wearing any clothes and then she got out wearing a wetsuit made entirely of leeches How do you not that notice just that you're getting bit by that many leeches I, was confused by. I remember her being in the water but when did she get naked uh I think I I had to reread it I think she like took her clothes off so that they wouldn't be noticed from shore or something like that. She was like, cause she was in the water when I was like, why don't you just get on the raft? You're at the raft, just get on the raft. And I was like, well, and again, not explained in the book. My guess was, 
I don't know, she's seen people get arrowed from shore or something like that. Like, I mean, for a know. while, I thought that her death was going to be, you know, in the reboot, there's a girl who's like, I'll just keep swimming. And for mm-hmm. there's like uh, apparently right. theoretically she was supposed to swim until she got exhausted and drowned. But in the movie, Jason stabs her in the face. Um, I kind of thought Tina's death was going to be that where she was like, I just won't go to shore and I'll be fine. And then she can't maintain that. Yeah. The leech thing was a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the kill count that is listed on the Friday the 13th fandom for this book. And was there some sort of mention at the beginning of book of people being killed by rabies? So there's I, I'll, in the I'd kill like count. It says two this. people were killed by rabies. <laughs> yes. I'd like to speak on this. So <laughs> I thought, I thought that um, the two storylines were separated in time. Saw two style. <laughs> like I, I thought you just want the, everything to be Saw 2. I just <laughs> love Saw 2, and, you know, has there ever been a better tagline than, oh, yes, there will be blood? I don't think so. Um, so, no, I thought that they were showing us things that Big Red was doing, and those were the kills that Kelly Boone had heard about that motivated okay. her to go. Because at the beginning of the book, I re-listened to some of it today, there is a list where it's like, uh, recently in Camp Crystal Lake, a man had killed his wife and then himself. Two people had died of rabies, and a, a young boy had seen his father hanged in front of him or something. And right. I was like, oh, those must be the kills that like Big Red is doing and, and, and sort of the assumptions that law enforcement is coming to. But then they aren't. That would have they been just, really right, cool. Kills. Not to support yeah, your and- what if everything was Saw 2 deal. that would have been very cool and it is it does feel weird that like the day that kelly is like okay it's time to go confront my brother's killer is the same day that big red gets possessed and is doing the kills but wouldn't she know that jason well in she they know the hunter because her friend survived carly is alive and it's just like i don't want to deal with this shit i don't want to talk about another book (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go to harvard uh (laughs) but Carly and the investigation would have theoretically figured out that, all right, the hunter did this. It wasn't Jason Voorhees. It was some guy in a mask who's dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she's acting like, no, he's still out there. I mean, Jason is that, always out there. Know? You know so, what I mean? So here's, here's what – I mean, I'm also confused. <laughs> but here's my take on it, which is what I thought was happening was that he – Big Red does all the killings, then Kelly Boone, because did we establish that she's out for revenge? Do we say that already? We really she's didn't get through revenge. discussing her. Right. We got very Let's distracted. Who these people are again? Let's finish discussing this, these two couples. So we basically, who have we talked about yet? Nobody. Anybody? I said two None. words on Kelly and we got off track. Okay. Hannah Blackman, yeah. talk to us about this quartet of irresistible protagonists. So, okay, so one is Kelly Boone, whose brother was killed by Jason, and she's so fucked up over it. She's, like, not living her life well. She needs to get closure. She believes that her closure will be to murder Jason Voorhees. So she's going to go up to Crystal Lake and kill that ghost. Okay. She wouldn't be the first one to try to do that. No, she wouldn't. Uh, she did fail, though. Um, then there's her boyfriend, Doug, Who's like a douche? Like I don't know. He sucks. Like, guy, like basically Van Wilder. Like he's, <laughs> he's been like in a party boy. forever. Yes. Yeah. 
I think we find out that he has an ex-girlfriend before we find out that Kelly is his girlfriend. Yeah, yes. they don't seem like, like a good couple. The only people on the lease were him and his ex-girlfriend. He's like pretty nice to her, and then he decides he wants to fuck somebody else and becomes a monster. The first time she says no to him, he's like, "Okay, well, I guess I hate you now." He's terrible. <laughs> Doug is terrible. He has multiple prospects in this novel. Yeah. yeah. And and multiple like point of view chapters where he's like, you know, it's just like, you know, pretty early when you're flirting, if you're going to get some and it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck? I want this guy to die, too. Yeah. Doug, I was like immediately like they're in the car ride up and I'm like, kill this guy. Um, then there are there's Tina, who is one of Kelly's roommates. She's kind of an uppity girl. She's dating Miguel, who is a guy who likes to fight. <laughs> He wants to be an army hero, which is an insane goal for a human being to have, in my opinion. Uh, and their dating relationship is that Miguel is like all over her. And Tina's like, I want to break up with you, but can't reach that conclusion. They shouldn't be dating <laughs> at all. She hates no. him. Meanwhile, you're okay. To, to your earlier point about just swapping partners <laughs> and making yourselves happier is Miguel spends the whole book being like, ah, Kelly, she's pretty cool. I'm glad I'm here to protect her. She's a I tough, like her interesting a lot. girl. She's super interesting. And then uh, Tina and Doug are like literally making out in the treehouse, And it's just like, guys, you don't need to do this. You could just sit around and be like, can we just trade real quick? We'll all, all be happy. Make out in a tree house. There were like 45 cabins at this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So those are our teens. Kelly eventually is like, I have to go up. Today is the day I'm going up to Crystal Lake to kill a ghost. And her friends are like, we'll come too. Even though it seems like none of them really want to be there or understand what she needs from this trip. So they tag along. They show up in Crystal Lake. Everybody's a jerk which, about it. <laughs> Crystal Lake is established in this book as being in Maine, which, again, I always think of this as a New Jersey franchise. <laughs> so it shocks me the lengths to which this guy... Eric Morris, William Patterson has decided, no, it's it's Maine. They're in Maine, deep in the woods of Maine, not in America's spooky hmm. estate. Anyway, it's true. He, I mean, yeah, Stephen King, you know. I, I do like the write up that like fundamental disconnect where Kelly's on this like insane suicide mission <laughs> and her friends think they're like going to Knott's Berry Farm. They're like, no, this will be really fun. Can we get some yeah. snacks? We're out of snacks and I'm going to be grumpy now. And for Kelly to just try to like keep the lid on it the whole time and be like, guys, we're going to die out here. We have to dig holes. And they're just like, yeah, but we ran out of potato chips. It's really exciting. Yeah, nobody brought any supplies. Andrew, you had kind of said, I think, with the last novel, it may have been Hannah, I'm not sure. It's all a blur, uh, that you wanted a novel in which the characters were more aware of the fact that Jason Voorhees was about. Yeah. Do you think this did a better job of that, even though they still don't actually know for the most part that he's there? I think the fact that they don't encounter him for so late into the book is still frustrating because it allows Morse to still do these fake outs where he's like, and somebody came up behind Miguel, but it was his girlfriend, so everything copacetic. <laughs> so, like, that's still happening, which is frustrating. But, yes, I did like having Kelly Boone just uh, this fun name. Um, I did like having Kelly Boone just being like, I'm here to kill Jason Voorhees, but I, I didn't feel like she was prepared enough. Her big idea was to dig a hole and to make a decoy cabin, which the decoy cabin, which is meant to look like 
it's a cabin where horny teens are sleeping so that Jason will come there is a good idea. But like her entire... I mean, it was a plot point in Jason Goes to Hell. It's the beginning of Jason Goes to Hell. I believe you. Um, (laughs) It is her version of like the leprechaun trap that you make in elementary school. She's like, no, it's cool. He'll walk inside. The rubber band will trigger. And then we got him. But why was she asking the locals to like... Why was she trying to get the local the, the knowledge out about this to the locals? Because I didn't really quite understand that. I think the idea is that she's preparing for the eventuality that they do die, and she wants people to know that they were there and murdered. I think she also believes that somehow Jason like is part of the community in a way that like if she starts talking a big game about horny teenagers, he'll hear it because he's like behind a tree listening. <laughs> and then he'll I be like, how they go take. get those teens? I love that. That I, th- I think that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's the I vibe I got. This, this is a very prescriptive bit of feedback, but I feel like it would be fun to see this movie amped up a lot. So, like, <laughs> there is a movie. It's what? Uh, which one is? Do they? Does the FBI catch him at the beginning? That Jason is goes Jason to goes to hell. Final okay, they shoot him a bajillion Friday, times. Part nine. Andrew, you described the opening of that movie as like total, I can't remember what word you used, but it was like really disorienting or something like Completely. that. Completely, because it's like, the, the, there's no establishing really that it's the FBI. I'm sure they say it, but it's literally mm-hmm. just like the middle of the woods. What's even going on? Pretty lady running from Jason. Just kidding, boys. We got him. And I was like, who are boys? <laughs> it's also a thing where you're like, in what world does the government say like, Jason's real, we got to get jackets? him. Truly. Uh, that's that's what shocks me about that sequence. What's that, Hannah? Oh, the involvement of the government in a oh yeah, essentially a ghost story that they are ready to cut. They're they're there with like a hundred guys ready to catch a thing that is kind of a ghost. Like, I mean, he did go to New York City, and you don't mess with Manhattan. Yeah, well, Manhattan didn't mess with him either. So <laughs> uh, it's sick. It's toxic waste. That's on true. Him. <laughs> that's true. What was I even saying? Oh, yeah. I would like to see a more amped up version of this premise where like either the person who's coming to kill Jason is like going full Sarah Connor and they're like, Mm -hmm. they've just got like weapons up the wazoo. They're like basically a doomsday person. Or I want to see the government shoots a fake porno at Camp Crystal Lake. Where they're like (laughs) pretending to be a fucking porn, you know, production company and they're actually all strapped. Like, that's what I want. (laughs) This was like, this was weak. This was like, okay, she's coming to get Jason. She dug a hole. She put spikes at the bottom. We're going to hope he walks over the hole. And that's the entire plan. It does feel like she should have a backup plan. She has a gun. I mean, to be fair, she does have a gun. Andrew, based on your two concepts, may I direct you to a little film called Halloween 2018 and another film called X? Yeah, so I like both of those, I guess. I did just see X. Um, I was saying to Hannah before, X made me think of something that I think I just don't like about this type of horror movie. It's probably not a spoiler to say that people die in X, right? Um, and uh, <laughs> something I don't like about like that movie and I don't like about this series I do like the series so far but like when you have compelling interpersonal dynamics and then it's eventually going to turn into a slasher it's very frustrating to me when I'm hooked on the interpersonal drama 
and then people start dropping dead. Because I'm like, I wanted to find, or I wanted to see you find out that your wife cheated with your brother. Like, I'm not ready for you to get stabbed, you know? I, I don't know. That I find that frustrating. Like I actually, I mean, the best horror movies balance those things where you get murders and interpersonal stuff, and often the interpersonal stuff is intertwined with the murders. That's the best version of this. It's sure. hard to pull off. This one I feel like sets up interesting infidelity stuff, and then is like, whatever. They all died. Whatever. I mean, and then just to skip when the boon ghost shows up and is like tina oh, and Doug we were go. walking behind your back the so, whole time i was this, like this needs to be they ruined boon. I, yeah I we fear... need like a we need a record scratch sound effect to just be like okay guys yeah, uh, like, this is gonna be strange i fear that this is like an incomprehensible episode <laughs> because like plot wise but yes at the end of this book kelly boone is visited by her the ghost of of boon boon who um but she has been seeing him throughout no, the no, novel she has. In a way that feels I, I like sort of like in pet cemetery like break and you're like mm -hmm. okay well this track she's having a hard time she's hallucinating mm -hmm. her brother okay okay and then the book is like he's an evil ghost he's a real ghost <laughs> her, and he's evil but her brother throughout the book yeah is being very kind and like guiding her and stuff and then in his final denouement he's like <laughs> Actually, I guided you here so that Jason would kill you. I'm evil. And superpowered, I think. <laughs> I mean, and is this not... real, though? Is this just Where her he, mental like... state playing tricks on her? I'm so confused. Uh, so at the end of it, after, after Big Red has been vanquished, then, yeah, the reveal is that... Pour one out for Big Red. <sighs> Everybody, please pour one out for the poor guy. It's not his fault. Uh... So then the ghost boon appears and oh my God, see, th this is what happens when you try to explain the end of this book. So then the artificial leg of I Big need Red you to becomes tell me how Big Red died. I, I will say, cause I don't remember that. Uh, Big Red is decapitated. Big Red is, so there, there's all this like fighting over a gun. Okay, actually I'm gonna back up even further cause it's actually a pretty nice scene. So Big Red is fighting Kelly. She's been shot, she's limping away. And Big Red goes, oh, my God, she reminds me of Big Red. Maybe I shouldn't kill her. <laughs> yes, I and then that. she goes, she takes that opportunity, that moment of weakness to turn and, you know, start attacking him. I can't remember if it's uh, uh, I don't know if she has the gun at that moment or if it's just like an axe or something like that. I can't remember. But then, like, he immediately turns and he's like, wait a second. Nope. All teens are bad. She's trying to kill me. It's <laughs> over. So they fight. They wrestle over the gun. She's shooting him a few times. And then she chops his head off with an X. And uh, that's the end of Big Red. And then Again, there's a moment where she takes off his mask out. and is like, oh, he's kind of a sweet, he's got a sweet face. That's too bad. Yeah, that exactly. Was a little point I yet. say that about all the decapitated heads I see. <laughs> sweet that, face. That Boone reminds me of Boone thing. Uh, or she reminds him of herself, himself, pronouns, fuck. Um, that makes me wonder if there's ever been a line in something where somebody's like, you know, you remind me of me. And someone else is like, when you were younger? And you're like, no, right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. It's a good line. Uh -oh. <laughs> um, but so then evil Boone shows up and is trying to still kill her. And then what is the demise of evil Boone? <sighs> the demise of evil Boone is, again, the artificial leg of Big Red comes alive becomes sentient 
jumps <laughs> towards and inside of Ghost Boone, who is kind of walking that line between corporeal and total misty nonsense. Yeah. And the boot gets inside, jumps around, fucks up his ghost organs, and then he just crumbles into dust. And then Ghost Jason temporarily comes out of him. It, it, it you know, Kelly's looking at this. She's like, and then. I've looked at so many pictures of him in the newspaper. It was the ghost of Jason Voorhees. He was raising his machete and then the mist just like disappears. And that's the end of it for ghosts, Jason what? and what was mask possessing evil. The leg? This, this ending had me. Is that really the pure confused. soul of big red saving Is that her? the question you have? I think that is the only <laughs> thing that makes sense. That is the only thing is it's like the purity left in this artificial leg that he had that reminded him because like that that is like the grounding moment of his humanity where it's it, it's her limping away where he's like oh shit i used to limp before my mask gave me superpowers <laughs> yesterday yes yesterday and i think it yeah i think you're right that's like the only thing it could possibly be what i need the book to tell me is why is boone evil because boone is a character in mother's day who is good shows himself to be a good person he doesn't have a, a moral grayness and so it makes no sense why his ghost is suddenly evil especially when similar characters like the character in pet cemetery who keeps telling the doctor lewis to not do things not bury things in the pet cemetery and it's always just sort of like a passive like hey I'm like a spirit here to warn you. Why is Boone suddenly like, nah, I'm evil now. I mean, the fact that the ghost is real, like it's a, it's a real supernatural entity. Like, do we all agree on that? Yeah. Right? It, it interacts with physical space. Yes. And it like Which speaks to people who are not before. Kelly. Right. Mm -hmm. So the fact right. that all of that is happening, like if Kelly was like projecting a version of her brother who was bad so that she could be like, I'm angry at you for leaving me. I'm angry at you for getting killed. And I'm angry that we didn't, you know, whatever, have a future where we were siblings. Um, that's something I could maybe get on board with. But the fact that he's just like a genuine malevolent ghost doesn't uh -huh. make a lot of sense to me, given what we thought we knew about that character, unless he is like a Jason projection. It's an evil Jason sure. thing where he's like, what if I was your brother, but I'm secretly right. bad and Jason. I think it's we have I think it's basically a Jason projection in that okay. my interpretation of it was like it was really Boone, but like once you're dead, you're kind of a puppet for evil, if that makes sense. Like mm, I, oh. I I thought that it was that the book was basically saying that like death makes you into like a haunty monster, you know? But um, that's not consistent with the series because in part seven, yeah, her dad, the, the telekinetic girl, oh, her yeah. dad saves the day at the end. You know what's not consistent with the series? This book, <laughs> these books take a leap into people having like full on visions that was never a thing in the movies, as far as I can tell. I mean, in these first two books, people keep being like, "What?" He walked into the no, I, like stuff like he, you know, people will like wake up and think that their leg has been eaten through with worms but it wasn't right andrew the first three three movies end with a jump scare dream sequence vision those all really it's like a hallmark of... happen though no oh hard to say to be honest well, <laughs> the first one jason jumps out of the lake and everyone's like that didn't happen it didn't because in part uh, two we see that girl again and she's fine 
So that first one is a dream. He's he's also like an adult by that point in the timeline. The second one, who knows if that one happened, but because that dog is dead in the second one. She sees a dog at the end. She hugs a dog. Jason jumps through a window. But that dog we've already seen is dead earlier in the movie. So that has to be a dream. Part three, the girl, (laughs) Mrs. Voorhees' non-decapitated, rotted body jumps out of the lake and pulls her into the lake. So there, these are. This is like a staple of the series: is people having dreams that do not happen, but only sure. at the end of stories. So the fact that they're right, happening not, throughout sure. is a little unusual. And, I'll and people in these books keep being like, "I dream that someone was chopping my neck a bunch, and it was turning into <laughs> little pieces of neck, and then I was being fed the pieces of neck, and it was coming out of my neck." You know, like they're doing that, and then they're being like, "Just kidding, I was fine." <laughs> like, um, I mean, I this book well, had think... less dream sequences that are presented as real and then turn out to be dream sequences than the first book did. This is a much more like linear, straightforward book. Yes, right. I thought it was going to happen in this book, similar to what happened in Mother's Day, where the waitress from town, who uh, Doug had been flirting with, shows up at the camp after he has been sleeping. Oh, so yeah. I'm like, oh, it's going to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. No, Doug but just no, she's has just... that appeal. <laughs> he must be so hot. I mean, it also, they... This <laughs> he must like... be so... Doug must be, like, really, really hot. Do you think he's, like, Paul Sexton hot, though? The, uh, the, yeah, uh, I think he has to be you, hotter. Matt, the hot guy from Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. I think I, just Doug, I, mean, I also think there must like, be such a, a limited selection of cute boys in Crystal Lake that this girl is like, I'll take it. I, I gotta go. I'm taking tomorrow off. I have to go to Crystal Lake and see the boys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as as we've seen, her options are Big Red and his interesting collection of uh, people he hangs out with, and Fleas. this cop who's like a third act suddenly a character i mean and then immediately gets murdered so yeah he's a character and then not and then we don't see how he dies or anything felt the need to establish a cop early on where they are looking for food and they're going to the diner in crystal lake apparently that's the place to go now that ned varner has uh closed his gas station down because he is dead uh but they they see this cop leaving the diner and they make such a point to like say the cop left everyone froze blah 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 and then that cop comes back in the third act it's like okay why did we need that set i mean they also like never try to go to him to help they don't go to him and say like hey we're here to kill jason and he's like you dumb kids there's no jason and then he gets killed by jason like there's a series of things you think might happen with a character like that that just don't that being said they go into the middle of chris they go into crystal lake town center which has like a flagpole and a bunch of businesses. And I want to see that place so bad. I am so curious well, about they are like making downtown a Crystal Lake. Jason's Curse, are they not, Andrew? Making a movie of what? Aren't they making a movie of this book? Oh, there's a fan film being made, but it's been pushed back so much that I get the feeling that it's basically stalled. So we'll oh. see. We'll see if it comes out. Um, I just want to read a passage getting us back to uh, the timeline issue. So here's... <laughs> Here's uh, uh, something from basically Kelly's point of view. Uh, Suddenly, Kelly's face wrenched tightly as sobs shook her. She wrapped her arms tightly around her thin body. She felt so cold. But at least when the tears finally subsided, her headache was gone. 
She looked down. Her eyes were wet. I started way too early. So now her vision was really blurred. I'm getting there. But she kept flipping through the notebook. It was the last entries in her notebook that interested her the most. Man shoots wife, then self. Rabies outbreak claims two more lives. Boy, nine. Hangs dog. Elderly woman poisons neighbor. Something bad is happening in Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. Yeah, so, and, and also, by the way, it says all the articles were Dateline Crystal Lake, Massachusetts. <laughs> so, but... But in the first sentences of the book, they say Crystal Lake in Maine. Doesn't matter. Every town has a Crystal Lake. <laughs> I pointed out how many typos and inconsistencies were in this book last time, and just for the listener, it was completely cut out of the episode, but I'm going to keep bringing it up until it doesn't get cut. <laughs> if we are going to have a podcast where we praise the glossy insert photos in books, that extends to the downsides of physical media, and I will continue to bring it up. There are crazy typos in these books, and one of them is just that they call Maine, Massachusetts, or vice versa, and it's impossible to tell. Um, but yeah, those don't sound like the crimes committed in the book, right? Nor any book. They are not the crimes committed so in the book. So what the fuck is happening in Crystal Lake prior to the mask sucking big red I space? think there's just like some bad blood. The mask is in, in the water. People are drinking the water. Wow. And it makes you go crazy. I'll buy it. That's canon. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> But it would be you better, here, right, folks. if it was the actual murders. Like, then, give me something. If that is the if that is the case, what is the resolution of those two things? Like, is Big Red just still <laughs> killing people by the time Kelly shows up, or like, yes? Oh, and then we still have the same kind of confrontation. Yes, it's just it's just a cool idea for them to be like, she she figures out that something's going on because she sees mm. all these news articles that he's on a rampage, and then I think that would work better in a fourth book. Or like later in the series, if they don't kill the villain at the end of every book, to be like, oh, someone's like put the clues together, especially if they were unrelated things, because the things you're describing are not Jason style murders, mm-hmm. right? They're just like things happening. So I, if we I do like that, it I do like the idea of Jason becoming like the catch-all for like tragedy in general, you know? Yeah. Where it's mm-hmm. like obviously here we are on our. 15th jason iteration anyways and so it's just like what's the what's the local evil we got the mothman we got the jersey devil and we got the jason Voorhees. and it's kind of just like yeah again the timeline is wacky but the idea of, of her kind of knowing that like jason the specter of jason whatever killed my brother i'm gonna go kill that and look at this like list of things that it's been up to in the meantime almost Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a point in this book where I thought Jason was going to kill a baby. Did he <laughs> yes. kill the baby? Oh my god. He did not he kill the baby. Are those kids not dead? According to the kill count on the Friday the 13th fandom, he stomped Cassie, James, and Billy to death. Oh, I did not, that not pick true? that up. Because I, I was I was also curious. He, he definitely decapitated the grandpa and put his head in a dollhouse. Mm-hmm. But the kids were fine. Because why would the mom have gone upstairs and screamed? Because there's a decapitated the, head in there? No, he's in the basement. Oh. So for the Damn. listener, there's a part where Big Red goes over to see his, uh, I don't know if it's a blood relation, but he refers to them as his niece and nephew. Um, 
and their yeah. children and he plays monster with them which is sort of a sad yeah they're not phased at all by the situation no, be- that it's he's in a monster mask it's like a sad peek into the way that he's sort of like using i, I think probably whatever disability he has to like entertain the kids like he's like a guy with a fake leg and a fake eye and and he plays with the kids by pretending to be a monster because that's how people make him feel sad stuff yeah anyway he he bursts into this home and the kids are like he's being scary we love that (laughs) it's our favorite thing and then he like actually throws them against a wall and it made me really sad they start crying Mm -hmm. you know they go from like he almost throws the baby against the wall I mean, there is a, what I'm remembering, and I listened to the audiobook, and I totally grant that I zone in and out of audiobooks. This is a failing of mine. But I have a pretty clear memory of like, he's like standing over the crib looking at this baby, and he's like, Should I kill this baby? And then he doesn't. I thought he didn't yeah, do it. I thought that too. I thought that too. I mean, I think that maybe whoever did this Wikipedia page didn't read the book. <laughs> I would understand. It's very hard to find. <laughs> I mean, because Jason doesn't kill kids, that's a whole thing with him. He just doesn't do it. So for him to kill like three I mean, kids in this book, I would have just like lost my He also my doesn't top. hang puppies, but this book claims that people are hanging puppies. So I don't well, know. Well, that's not a Jason thing. That's a Jason after effect. I wouldn't take that personally. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes the ending a little frustrating is there are a few like what the fuck moments in this book that are explained. And whether or not the explanations are good, like they're at least fun. Like uh, the way that the, the way that big reds talents are revealed, I think is kind of interesting. Like at one point he has a gun, he got the gun from the dead cop. He's shooting at Kelly. She's running away. And one of her thoughts, one of part of her inner monologue is how the hell is this guy so good at shooting? Like he's a dead on shot and I'm trying to get away from him. And then the next chapter is in Big Red's point of view. And we learn that his glass eye this is, is like <laughs> is like targeting onto this girl and aiming the gun for him. And it's another instance of his like uh of his like, yeah, weird like augmentations, like having a mind of their own. And it's just fascinating. And so again, like the mythology of that makes less than zero sense <laughs> but it's fun to be like what a ridiculous scene in no this book. i love i kind that, of love it i love that his glass eye makes his shooting into a video game i just uh-huh. think it's like a very funny way to plus things up um I'm it's also, like upgrade or something he's just like I, I i don't know how i'm doing this but i'm a, i'm great at this i've always wanted to shoot a gun <laughs> yeah i'm also looking for a passage about when he gets when the mask attaches to him hold on I mean, his eye comes to life yeah. when he puts on the mask, right? That's a lot of this say. is, yeah. I found it. Okay. So here we go. It says, this is when the mask is attaching to Big Red's face. This is not a Jason's Curse episode. This is definitely a Big Red episode. <laughs> so he thought the pain would never stop. When it finally passed, Big Red, Big Red sat very still. His left eye was tingling, which was strange because that was his glass eye. He'd lost his real eye when he was 12. Then the tingling started in his left leg, which was also strange. He had lost his leg when he was 14. It's a cool idea that, like, the um, the mask is 
bringing life to parts of him that are not organic. And I guess that mm-hmm. supports the idea that the leg comes alive at the end. The mask is like so full of life or or able to give life that it's like invigorating the man and anything attached to him. I mean, it infuses uh, Big Red with Jason and Jason was a full human being with all his parts. And so I guess that, yeah, puts some life into these non-lifey parts that then when Jason recedes, what's left is is Big Red, a little bit of living Big Red in there. Yeah. Wow. We're really working hard will- to make this. <laughs> I'm going to be curious to see in the next two novels how they handle it because they've done the two extremes at this point. They've had a Jason that is essentially a silent killer that we know very little about. I don't know if you remember if we get a name for the I don't hunter. I think so. In the original. And then we have Big Red who has almost too much going on. Like part of what works and what three of us like about the Friday the 13th series is that it's a simple backstory is this kid drowned because people weren't paying attention. Now he's back to kill. Yeah. And depending on how you view the continuity, because they never explicitly say. I think other than in part two that Jason has any sort of mental disability Mm -hmm. in the original movie. That was just a choice made by the production design to make him look deformed when he was like, cause I think he's supposed to have like hydrocephalus or something, but like it's supposed to be bare bones. It's supposed to be past evil current death, you know? And so it is interesting to see a character like big red, who is so infused with too much backstory (laughs) And I'm curious what the next person will be because uh-huh. it, I would, I think it would be compelling because big red is a gentle soul in a lot of ways, but I think it'd be compelling if the next person was actually either related to the main trio in some way or main group of people or was just a good person mm. and how the mask deals with someone who's actually good. Yeah. That's a, would be, I'd be curious to see how that would yeah. happen. Well, I think that big red is a good person. He, he has, legitimate reasons to be angry but seems to be sort of like infinitely forgiving and the mask turns him to someone who's like never mind I'm actually <laughs> mad about that stuff um, and so I do like that idea of it attaching to somebody who's like part of the group of teenagers I think that could be interesting but I really like the direction the second book goes with the villain, it's way more interesting than having it just take over the hunter and then the hunter basically disappears from the story. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's an advantage. I, I was talking last time about how the mask as a villain gives us opportunities that Jason as a villain doesn't, which is that any villain in these books becomes a hybrid of two things, the Jasonness and the, the themness. And this mm-hmm. book really takes a step in that direction, and I think is better for it. I'll be very disappointed if we fire up the carnival, and it's just, you know, uh, it, none of the personality of the killer bleeds through. I, I hope we see more and more of this. I do think what's compelling in this one is that push and pull, that, like, every time Big Red kills someone, or, like, the first three or four, he's very much like, I've done a bad thing. I have to go make this right. I have to tell someone. I have to do, like, turn myself in and the mask is like no no you got to go do more killings and then that snowballs uh-huh. into just like i can't wait to kill a bunch of teenagers um like uh-huh. that's definitely the most interesting part of that plot of the book mm-hmm. i am intrigued that the next book is set at a carnival because <laughs> having two books that are basically like you're in the woods and jason's there is good and fine i like it but it sounds like this third one will be like a real diversion 
and I am intrigued. There's so many scary places at carnivals to, to get Lake. axed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's also like could be like fun deaths. Uh I'm I'm I definitely somebody gets crashed in a goes. tunnel of love. Can <laughs> we, yeah, or there's a haunted ha- mansion kind of thing or and Jason's in there. I don't know. Yeah, spookorama t- and then you're like, "Oh no, a real killer." This one's real. I'm look at the book cover and see see what see what it looks like. Yeah, or is it like the carnival's coming to Camp Crystal Lake, you know? Like Which would be fun too. I mean, I'm into that. That, that would be cool. I would like that. We've talked about the deaths of the villains, but how do we feel about the deaths of the protagonists in this, which I definitely remember and don't need a refresher on? <laughs> I mean, this is the thing <laughs> is now, that I did. When you say the protagonist, you just mean the quartet? The teenagers. Well, I think obviously the protagonist is Doug. He's the most virtuous of them all. Uh, okay, so well, he likes the pleasures of the flesh. What's wrong with that? Doug, well, Doug is the first of our... No, Doug is not the first youth to go. It is what's her name? Darlene the, the waitress. Sexy, is that her name? Mm. Darlene the waitress. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and and, and she another hacked into millions of pieces. Another off-screen yeah. attack. Yeah, off page. Um, the um, thank you. Yeah, it's okay. I'm a pedant, so um, <laughs> the uh, for the listener, the there's a waitress that Doug hits on before they arrive at the camp, and Doug is hitting on her in like the sleaziest way. And the waitress is just like, hell fucking yeah. I can only go to bed if someone sings me a lullaby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That passage is, that is so funny. She goes for it. She had a like, boyfriend Tuck who goes got for a dollar. No, she or, had a, a co-worker. Oh, yeah. She's filling in for by a waitress who was killed by Jason. <laughs> she's like, we don't talk about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, so she's the first to go hack the bits uh, on her way to sing Dougie a lullaby. And then Doug goes into that cabin. He's terrified by uh, Big Red, runs out of the cabin, and falls into the trap they've made, which is a giant hole with, like, sticks whittled into spears. He falls onto that and is dead. Mm-hmm. I thought- and and with, with the hole in the spikes, I do think that the only bit of prep Kelly had done was bringing the spikes with her i don't think she whittled them while she was there i think they were like in her trunk and she had just spent the year yeah but the knife doesn't get much use though i don't think she was sitting up at night doing that i like i legitimately think that she like brought the stakes with them and was like here we go we're digging the hole now i've i've got the trap figured out in my head (laughs) It really is. She's like, this is the only solution. It will work. We'll be done. And then it Mm -hmm, backfires mm -hmm. so unbelievably hard. Like Darlene almost falls into it. I feel like Miguel almost falls into it. Doug does fall into it and is killed. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Not a good call, Kelly. Miguel just gets an axe in the tummy. Yeah. Yeah. Which that one's worth unpacking a little bit because that's the first time that bad Boone shows up. We don't know that it's him at the moment, but basically it's, it's an Apache scout nest is what they call it. And it's like a hole that you dig with a, a a cover to make it look invisible and you run, you get some distance, you slide into it, throw it over yourself. You're hidden from view. And so Miguel does that and big red is totally stumped. And then you hear a voice from the forest cackling at big red and being like big red you big dummy he's right in front of you just look down and then poor miguel gets the axe 
And then it's revealed later on that like that was Boone in the forest, just like quarterbacking from the sidelines. So I want to talk about the Kelly's spike hole. Um, <laughs> I, I, I meant to cut in a little earlier, but um, what did I want to say about it? I don't even remember. You love it. Kelly I mean, spike hole. So brilliant. Great band. So smart. Uh, somebody falls. It's a bad in. way to die. I mean, you can imagine the practical effect of oh. a boy in a hole with a bunch of sticks through him, and that's cool. Uh-huh. And I would love to see that in a movie. Me too. The Me thing, too. The thing I thought was funny about it is, <laughs> she's like, "There's only one thing we can do: dig a hole, put a bunch of spikes at the bottom, have Jason walk over it." And she's like, "We must do this." They dig the hole, they put the spikes at the bottom, and then she looks at it and she's like. Ooh, we're gonna get in trouble if somebody walks over that. <laughs> we gotta have, we have somebody to, we have watching, to be watching it. it. Like they're, they're they spend the night. <laughs> they spend the night on watch, rotating, rotating shifts, kind of to look out for Jason, but really just to make sure that some it's random family to make sure doesn't they fall don't in the murder hole. Rando. Mm-hmm. It's like when nice. you're a kid at the beach and you dig a hole and my parents would always be like, Matt, before we leave the beach, you have to fill in that hole because if someone is walking down the beach and they fall in the hole, it's going to be terrible. They right. didn't they didn't think about that. They didn't think ahead. Yeah. They didn't and apparently like they you. they also like cover all these holes with like leaves. So mm-hmm. they are so well hidden that it is a yeah. true danger. How do you cover forever. a hole with leaves? I know. I know. I, Did they have a net or something? Yeah, they be. They, I think at one point they talk about like getting some saplings and making like a, a sort of loose, meshy kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so uh, I think that's everyone's death aside yeah, Tina from... Tina gets eaten by leeches and, then... and Kelly gets shot a bunch. And Kelly but lives long enough to like fill in the hole because she eventually, the, the final resting place in this book for the mask is not the lake. It is in uh, the hole. It's in the spike hole. Then covers up, which is our second main character. It's big red, (laughs) then the spike hole, then our teenagers. I don't know how the uh, how someone's going to use a fishing line to get the mask out of a pile of dirt in the next book. I know. Excited to find out. When you said carnival, I was like, oh, it's going to be like Jumanji, where just like doom dooms from the earth and some rando kid at the carnival is going to come and grab it. You know? Yeah, maybe the carnival when they're like putting their stakes in the ground they have to like dig a hole what is what is this thing we're hitting with our spikes <laughs> Which, it seems like it's like six or seven feet down yeah i mean it's yeah. so kelly gets shot like twice mm-hmm. I, I think it's three times okay i think it's three times i thought yeah, she it's was shoulder gonna make it. it's shoulder it's leg and her hand gets blown up essentially <laughs> okay she should survive those things it feels like to me uh in like movie <laughs> logic you know those aren't necessarily yeah, I mean, mortal it, wounds. i've seen the scream series people have survived yeah. worse. oh yeah um she is alive enough to like bury everybody and the mask so that she doesn't bury doug though she takes doug out and they yeah which is fucked that... up he's Yo, too hot okay. you can't thank you no. thank you for saying that <laughs> I but was so mad at her. Is, oh my god! Because she has a recording of the infidel, not of the infidelity, but of Tina confessing. Who made the, the recording? I apparently <laughs> didn't understand this book at they all. They were recording their hey, let's go around to different Crystal Lake townies and get information about Jason. Like, what do you know about Jason? And so it I said, guess Miguel had not stopped. They're pretending to be reporters, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, that's he right. Started that's recording right. and. Tina's like, I'm breaking up with you. I'm with Doug now, which I don't feel like is what's happening. No, it's not. It, d- Doug They're just Doug gonna would hook disagree. up and then Doug's gonna dump her. Doug mm-hmm. and Tina but they don't have, hook have hooked up a little and then 
Tina's like just decided that that means their boyfriend girlfriend and that's one of the reasons I hate when people die in slashers because I want to see the part of the story where they have the argument where she realizes mm-hmm. he doesn't want to be Sclusis. I mean also like I, I think Tina is a fine character. I like Tina. Tina Chan. I I like continually I like won the me breakup over. Scene. Like there's a I lot think the of breakup points. scene is really strong. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. No, I agree. The breakup scene is strong. Like throughout the book when Tina's like I'm worried about Kelly. I think that's reasonable mm-hmm. and fair. She's kind of a bitch about it, but like she's also being dragged to a haunted lake. And all they've been eating is potato chips. <laughs> uh, and then there are points when she's like, oh, I'm s- Kelly warned me that I should be scared and I am scared by something. And I think we should take this seriously. And I was like, Tina, girl, yes, thank you. Don't hook yeah. up with this shitbag dude. Don't do it. God, he must be. He must be so hot. He must be the Come hottest on. guy alive. Like I guess. So, I think he might be Paul Sexton's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> He's the spirit of Paul Sexton. I just like can't imagine a guy you, so hot that like every girl wants to sleep with him, and then Kelly mm. digs him out of a hole, like unhooks uh, him from a bunch of spikes, just so she could hold hands with his dead body as she dies. He was no, awful. Hannah, I'm glad you flagged that because, like, I'm like, death is not baptism. This guy does not get his sins washed away because of this. I mean, her her brother, she thought was a good person, and death showed that to be incorrect. So maybe she's just very forgiving. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she's like, well, if he was bad in real life, maybe as a ghost, he'll hold be hands with talk. all of your friends. Then put everybody in a row in a creepy diorama. I don't know if she would really call Tina her friend, and I don't know where Miguel's body is. In the That's hole. The only Still in the Apache Scout nests. Hannah, you talked about her concern about Kelly, and there is a passage that I have that I I think is very funny. The second time I was listening through the audiobook, I was like, whoa, how did I miss this? Where Tina is like, um, being like, oh, she, you know, Kelly's so weird and she's being, she's scaring me recently. And, um, Tina goes, the other day I found the window seat open. I go to close it and she's sleeping inside. I'm talking in the window seat. She nearly gave me a heart attack. She said she likes sleeping there because it was like sleeping in a coffin. I mean, that's spooky <laughs> stuff. Kelly's then, gone through then it. Then yeah, poor Kelly. Wednesday Adams. Then poor Miguel Kelly. Goes, cool. <laughs> Dude, yeah, for Miguel's. All right. So Miguel's, we, we mentioned this earlier. His defining characteristics are, number one, he's 18 years old and really wants to be a soldier. Like the- He can do judo. He's into judo. He karate chops someone at one point. I can't remember who. It's uh, the, it's a tuck when he oh, comes to the car. Right, when he's begging for like, money. Can you, yeah, come to Crystal Lake. And then he chokes Kelly. Mm-hmm. And then Miguel saves the day. Money. Judo chops yeah. him. Chokes later on. And the third thing that he does is consistent Beavis and Butthead laughing. <laughs> yeah. that, like, that's it. And so, yeah, when <laughs> Tina's trying to break up with him, she's like, I think we should break up. And he goes, good one. <laughs> and then and then Tina sees a fish eat a mosquito and that gives her courage. <laughs> and she goes, you know, breaking up is kind of just like the circle of life. <laughs> Miguel was breaking up. We're done. That was it. It was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, extremely 1994. I do have to say, like, in the audiobook, the first time that Beavis and Butthead laughter occurred, I was like, what is this choice? <laughs> That the reader is making for this character's laugh, then it is explained to be a Beavis and Butthead thing. Um, It shook me to my core. I was really shocked that Kelly died at the end. That is so out of left field for a horror movie. I was like, she's the final girl. She's going to make it. She'll be traumatized, Mm -hmm. but she's going to pull through stronger. Nope. 
cut to she's dead. The cops showed up too late to save her and she died. And she bled out? I guess. guess. Just seems awful. That's the only explanation that makes a little bit of sense. Hannah, I once thought someone else died in a movie and his name was Emperor Palpatine. (laughs) (laughs) Sheev. Yeah. History has shown us that somehow Sheev came back. So maybe Kelly Boone, somehow Kelly Boone has returned. I mean, at the end of the last episode, I hope in the next episode, somebody's sibling. You know, I hope in the next book somebody's sibling is the hero. They and I was right. They cannot pull that trick again, though. They <laughs> oh, cannot they be like, because their excuse for it in this book is really bad. It's like Kelly Boone always went camping with her brother. It was She's a established in the first book. Yeah, okay. she, it's the, she just chose not to she go, was which sick. is why she I'm shocked they haven't, they haven't set someone up for the next book in this book. So, yeah, I, I'm Car- sure the Carly's next one will be back. totally unrelated Carly- people. Carly, the survivor from the first one, is going to come back. She's going to the carnival, and she knows something is fishy. Well, that's something. I hope we get both Boone Ghost and Kelly Boone Ghost, and they have to fight as ghosts. Oh, just be like catty at each other? (gasps) That's real versus, man. That's super versus. That's so versus. (laughs) Very versus. The, The movies have not done a good job of bringing back any of their fun, compelling lady Characters. Tommy Jarvis is the only character they've really My favorite boy. allowed to persist. <laughs> he is, he's up there. I think in the they're rebooting it, and Mike Feist is going to play Tommy Jarvis. So Sorry, say again. Did I say his last name? <laughs> no, wrong? I just I'm not sure I heard it. So just say it again for me. I said they're rebooting Friday Thirteenth with Mike Girl. Feist as Tommy. Jarvis. This is mean. You're being mean uh, to me. <laughs> I, I think he's tormenting. <laughs> this is cruel. That being uh, said, he'd do a great job. He would be a great Tommy Jarvis. Uh, but like it would be compelling to see Carly come back because I think Carly, Carly more than Kelly Boone, I feel like should have been the protagonist of the sequel. Kelly Boone could have been in mm-hmm. it, but I really think Carly's the one who's like suffered the trauma and I don't appreciate the answer that she's just, I just want to go to Harvard and get over it. Harvard ends up being worse than Jason and she's like, you know what? I'm going to go back <laughs> to Crystal Lake. She was on a Lake. motorcycle when Billy Boone's head was blown up. I mean, I hope Carly comes back. I mean, you know, in movies, sometimes people don't come back because the actors aren't available and they think recasting is a bad idea. Yeah. Books, you just have the opportunity to be like, Carly's here. We're doing it. She's the hero Mm -hmm. of book four. Sure. Um, You know what else you can do with books is during the climax while you're reading it, put Hello Zep (laughs) and the Saw soundtrack on (laughs) in your room. It really pluses up the experience. Now, well, in the second movie, it's not Hello Zap. It's Hello. Whoever Hello Eric is. is the name of the. And then eventually Hello, they stop. Um, they stop titling them because they realize, I think, that the titles are spoilers for the movie. So if you're like, oh, I can't wait to see Spiral for the Book of Saw. Let me listen to the soundtrack. And it's like, hello, Samuel L. Jackson's character. You're like, things <laughs> aren't gonna go well for him. Um, any. Well, I'm not gonna be shocked when you're a. Uh, way you figured out to end the podcast is just you speaking quotes from Saw 2. I'm definitely not feeling an immense amount of panic because I forgot to do that. Um, forgot to find something for the end. So what I was actually saying, just to go back, is that their excuse for why she wasn't on the camping trip was bad. Now, you guys were so busy building a little straw man of Andrew Overby, you know, six foot four. <laughs> You know, dashingly handsome and very muscular <laughs> thighs, little stick arms, because I never do 
I, I never do arm days. I only do leg days. Like, it's a problem, but it's true. You guys were so busy putting together a, a straw man of Andrew Overby and watch me now just spin that straw into gold. Because what I was actually saying was that she just says she has a sore throat, and that's why she wasn't in the first book, which is lame. <laughs> that's all I was saying. And everybody jumped in with, actually, she was mentioned, and there's good continuity. And it's like, great argument you're making a, against some other guy. <laughs> um, speaking of playing music over the end of an, a book, the audiobook on YouTube, the reader plays music from Jason Goes to Hell over the nice. end of the book and then which has a god awful soundtrack yeah so, and i don't think it's, sorry you got to hear that you know there was he he does it the book ends and then he has a moment where he like discusses how he feels about the book i think he has a couple of good takes on it and then he's like i hope you guys like that music i used i thought it kind of suited that and i was like oh honey no 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 <laughs> i love him i uh, think he's a great reader i really enjoy him um that touch was not uh, his finest moment. The the only other thing I think worth mentioning about Jason Goes to Hell, the movie, is the kooky diner owner and her like super hot. They're they're very hot for each other, husband. Oh, yeah. Uh and they're serving Rusty Schwimmer. Yes. And uh once you find out that Jason has been killed because that is public knowledge. Now they start running a two for one burger special where you can come and get Jason Voorhees shaped burger patties and Jason fingers two for one specials. I hope they still have that promotion going on. <laughs> I want to eat that burger. Oh my God. I hope in the third book, they go to the diner and they're like, Oh, one Jason burger, please. And we'll all like, <laughs> yes. Gotta let Matt know. <laughs> So I think this is one of the best parts of the book, which is the the Kelly and Boone like dialogue scene with Ghost Boone being evil and Kelly being like, "But you were good," and <laughs> and he's like, "But I'm not." Um, so here we go. Uh, do 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 do. Don't make me mad, Boone warned her, or things will get really bad for you. Then he laughed. That's funny, isn't it? I don't see how things could get much worse for you. Do you? She glared at him. It was, if, it was as if a huge door had been shoved open inside her, and everything that was hidden behind the door was rushing out. And what was hidden behind the door was anger and hate, fury at her brother, who had let himself be killed. Boone had always taken such terrible risks with his own life. He was the older brother. He was supposed to be protecting her, looking after her. Instead, he'd gone off and gotten himself, I hate you. She was amazed by her own words. <laughs> Boone's eyes were cold. I hate you too. <laughs> That's why I'm going to help kill you. Now, oh I God. think there could be a stronger motivation than I'm mad at my brother because he would put his life at risk a lot. Like it would make maybe more sense for her to be like, I'm mad at my brother because I actually had problems with my brother and I suppressed them because I've got the rose-tinted glasses on since he died. That being said, I have a friend who, like, basically died doing an extreme sport that someone had died doing recently before him in the place he did it. And I have those feelings where I'm like, I get that you're passed away, but I'm also angry at you for how just outright stupid that is. And it was a turn I was not expecting the book to take. I was pretty impressed with, where it was like, 
she's not mad at him because he got stabbed by a hunter. She's mad uh-huh. at him because this occurred at the end of a pattern of him being like, I am very careless with my own life. And then like she that. becomes extremely careless with her own life. Like she's smoking cigarettes in the hope that they'll kill her. She I mean, she's adopted all those. She started smoking cigarettes because there was a controversy about how camels are the most poisonous cigarettes. And that's when she started because she wants she's to. She's going die. through it. She really well, that needs feels help. like a very 1994 thing of like. I saw something that Congress said that camel cigarettes are popular with the children. And I was like, this is very dangerous. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah, another exactly. reason why I'm disappointed that she dies is that she clearly needs like to get over this part of her life and heal. Mm-hmm. And she just like, doesn't get the chance to do that at all. People die before their arcs are over. And I hate it. I, I I'm know. Anti horror now. I'm anti-horror. You know who? Out against you horror. know who died, but then their arc wasn't over. Jigsaw. <laughs> this jigsaw guy has so many cassettes. I mean, like, I've probably made this exact joke on the podcast before, but the true physical media king. I mean, <laughs> you collect Blu-rays. I don't give a fuck. My boy Jigsaw had so much physical media ready to go after he died. I think this entire podcast is an origin story for Andrew writing a multi-book Saw novelization. I, I was going to ask if, if it exists already or if Andrew is just working on it currently. I would only write that if I were allowed to write the events in chronological order and to like expound upon them because it would be this insane volume where like villains from saw eight were hanging out during saw one and stuff like that you know sometimes you buy a novelization online and so you only see the cover and it arrives and it's 500 pages long this is what andrew's book would be just like a (laughs) non-stop you're like oh it's that oh god for saw one that much (laughs) what what was okay so the first book is called Mother's Day. Uh, a lot of mothers. Andrew Andrew even said that the the you know chief idea of the novel may have been about mothers. Yeah, but it the, it didn't really have an idea. Its idea was let's say right. mother a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jason's curse. Was this book about Jason's curse? What was Jason's curse? I think this is a true filler title. I mean, it's it's the type of title you could slap on any Friday the Thirteenth book. And the only way in which it applies to this is if you do the work for the book and you say, okay, Boone was possessed by Jason's curse. That's why he's evil. Or that Big Red is a Jason-esque figure who also has the same curse of being a good boy who is kills because he continues to remember his past trauma. Mm-hmm. Or that being a murderer is at Crystal Lake is is Jason cursing people to do crimes. The possession is the I mean, curse, clearly, right? Yeah. I mean, right. clearly the next two books decided to go back to the very uh, on the nose, the carnival and road trip of just, this is when the event and where the event takes place. I yeah. think that... And I like it. I think that Jason's curse makes sense, Hannah. Like, obviously you can make the case that there's a curse and this guy's not good <laughs> news. Um, it just isn't specific to this book. Sure. The series yep. could be called Jason's Curse. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not used great. to you agreeing with me, and I, I just feel like I want to fight, you know? I got nothing to fight about. <laughs> I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I'll fight about something later. Matt Dartnell, you are walking through the woods and just having a nice stroll, Camp Crystal Lake. And unbeknownst to you, you are about to step into a hole that has been dug into the ground. It's full of stakes and intended to kill a possessed man who's on a murder spree. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. the weapon that they are using to impale you as you fall down is a copy of the book Jason's Curse by Eric Morse, the second book <laughs> of four, unofficially five, of the Camp Crystal Lake series. Would you trust that book to impale you fully based on its content? And good content equals yes impale, and bad content is no impale, but you also, in this scenario, want to be impaled. <laughs> it's it's not an instantaneous death, okay? It's not it's not like a quick hardened paper cut stake to the heart. It's uh-huh. not. Uh, but it does some damage. I know it's gonna end. And I just got to write it out, you know, again, very solidly like, okay, this is not, I don't love being here, but uh-huh. I, I'll only be alive for another five minutes. I think I can bite my tongue and be okay. Or, or try some primal screaming. That sounds exciting. Um, and so and what I the think, content and I think, of the book makes you feel that way? <laughs> uh, I think Kelly is cool. I do genuinely find Big Red very compelling, uh, kind of sympathetic, I just think that his, yeah, getting inside of his head, getting inside the head of a killer in a book like this, uh, getting inside the head of like Jason in a book like this, I think is really fun. And um, those are the two, those are the two winners for me. Uh, Kelly and Big Red, they pull their weight. So, you know, solid three stars. Amazing. Hannah, would you want to do the next one? I, sure. I feel a little spent. Yeah, I got you. I got you. <clears throat> Andrew Marco hey. your brother was killed by a ghost murderer and you are so torn up about it you go to the place where he was killed ready to confront a ghost killer but you are in fact confronted by the ghost of your dead brother and he says to you recommend a book you awful sibling would you recommend Jason's curse to assuage his unhappy soul was that a good one? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. might yeah. I might recommend it. I you know, for everything I liked about Mother's Day in terms of its characterization for the teens, I didn't I wasn't that compelled by its killer. The opposite's true here. I think Big Red's story is much more interesting, and I wish I could sort of mash those two stories together. The teen drama of Mother's Day with the killer interiority of Jason's Curse. Mm. I can't do that, but I'm still glad I got it. I'm going to remember Big Red for a long time. I, You know, who, who's to say he could be the most memorable killer of the series at the <laughs> end Go of the Big day. Red. We don't know. Go Big Red. <laughs> Go Big Red. That's Cornell's mascot. I feel like I'm at friggin' Cornell University. <laughs> Which is not an Evanston. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would, as I said, yeah, 
go for it if you like it. Uh, Hannah, can I try to do yeah, yours? Yeah, please. Hannah. Hannah Blackman. You're at your house with your siblings. Suddenly, your circuit uncle figure comes through dressed as a monster. This is a not an unusual thing. This happens all the time. Mm-hmm. But he's not being himself, and he says to you, Hannah, I have a book here under my scary mask. Would you read it? Or would you recommend it? Or vice versa? Who's to say? I'm a very monster. So you're person. recommending it without reading it. So like... <laughs> well, having read it, I have no regrets for having listened to it. I didn't physically read it. Um, I, yeah, I think if you're in the series, like, yeah, keep going. I agree. It's not quite as strong as Mother's Day, but Big Red, of course, fucking rocks. We love him. Uh, I liked the teens. I was interested in them. I was like, you, we all remember from Mother's Day. I was like, I love Boone. I'm pro Boone. I was fascinated to have more Boone. A pleasant surprise. Um, I think if this was a movie, it would be lower on my ranking because we wouldn't get the interior big red stuff that's so good. Great point. You know, like that's what makes the book really strong. And that would not carry over in a Friday the 13th movie. And there'd just be like shots of his like video game eye showing him where to target. And we'd be like, what the fuck? (laughs) Right. Right. And most of the time he'd just be a big guy in overalls and the mask, which is my favorite version of Jason is big guy with overalls. But that being said, like, yeah, the book is good. I had a good time with it. No regrets. Would recommend if you're into this kind of thing. Amazing. Andrew, over Andrew me. did we do you? Oh. <laughs> you to do your own? Oh, do you have one? I mean, I can. Yeah, Unless you think it. yours is great and you want to throw it on yourself. Andrew Overby. <laughs> you are... You are a young teen girl dating a man named Miguel. Uh, he is a nice man, but you recently find yourself a bit uh, dissatisfied with him emotionally and sexually. As you are walking through this campground, you see uh, Doug, uh, a very nice boy that is your friend Kelly is dating, uh, and that you kind of secretly have a thing for. And he's in his cabin, uh, fully clothed, but holding a copy of Jason's Curse by Eric Morse, right about where his crotch probably is. Um, <laughs> would you investigate further by opening the book and also seeing what's beyond the book? In, is this a dick in a box of... situation you're pitching for yourself? It might be a dick <laughs> behind a book situation. I would never suggest that someone cut a hole in of a $95 book. <laughs> I thought he was fully clothed. How would the dick even be involved here? I'm not well, sure. Well, he could be. We don't need to go into that, but it's possible. Um, so You brought it up. I mean, it, I brought possible, it up. I'm sorry. It's possible that it, the book is in front of him such that he looks fully clothed, but it's not true. Um, anyway, would you... Crack open those pages and and read 180 pages of this book because once you finish reading, you get to see what's behind it. Um, <laughs> not your best. Andrew, not can I do one for you? Yeah, give, give me another one. Go. Andrew Overby. Yes. You have followed the sexy Doug out to Camp Crystal Lake because... He's really, really cute, and he's asked you back to the cabin. Sounds, he sounds claims cool. 
he claims he can only fall asleep if you read him Jason's Curse by Eric Morse. <laughs> do you fall asleep or do you fuck? <laughs> I don't know which sweaty. one of those is going to go. Uh, I like I like Matt's, but I think that mine, where she has to read the book before she gets to encounter his genitalia, is also very good. And I I don't think that this is this needs to be a you know a competition i think we've both done a really good this job. is all staying in better marco <laughs> this is good content <clears throat> all right let me give me a second and then i'll react um <laughs> this book i think is the weaker of the two books we've read so far um just because you guys are really making me want to want want to read the the first one hey you should read There's this pretty a, good. A movie version it's of much it. you could watch it too um oh so the the characters in the first book were very compelling. I was really into their dynamic. I felt like they were really broadly drawn archetypes, but to the point where I still remember all of their individual attributes. Whereas in this book, everyone's a little more samey, which is truer to life, but maybe not bestest to book, if you know what I mean. So, yes, I enjoyed this book. I don't think I would recommend it unless the person had read the first book and they were like, is the second any good? And I'd be like, it takes some twists and turns. You would not expect. It is a fun time. If somebody's already invested in Boone, they gotta get Evil Boone. You cannot have... Extremely accurate. ...good Boone without Evil Boone. So only to those people would I recommend it. That's a good that point. If you haven't oh, read the uh, first one, you shouldn't read the second one. That's a, That's an excellent point. <laughs> Sorry to Matt. But also, if you have read the first one, you should read the second one. That's that's maybe the point I was. Who knows? Making. This could be the crux of the entire quadrilogy. That's true. Quintology. Quintology. I don't know. Mm. But... Mm. Matt Dardnell, you enjoy films. I do. And you write about that online on a website. Am I reading this right? It's called it's called Litterbox. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's called Litterbox for Cats. <laughs> Litterbox for Cats. Cool. And people can follow you that this is uh just under your own your own name, Matt Dartnell, which will be in the episode title. Correct. Matt Dartnell. Follow me there. It's where I put all of my online energy. And it is my addiction. So cool. Let's hang out on Letterbox. Good follow. I think I think I think we all have it. So um yeah, highly recommend. And to our listener. After what are we at? Where where this isn't even a novelization, so I can't say it's like the twenty fifth novelization. But in our somewhere around thirty to thirty fifth episode, I think I finally figured out how to end the podcast. So let me just get it queued up. Matt, you're a great guest. Thank you so much for joining us. This was so fun. Oh, I thank never leave room to thank the having guest, me ever. Well, you just aren't just thankful, to... are you? I'm not thankful. <laughs> Things have come really easily to me in life, and I expect them to continue to do so. Uh, oh, and to our listeners, something I barely ever ask of you, rate the podcast, you dingus. It's a good show. We're reading entire books for single episodes. There was one time we read three books for a single episode. Remember that? That was wild. Was that Sixth Sense? That was the second Sixth Sense episode. Uh, but you know, three good books. Luckily, probably would have broken up the podcast if they had been bad. Had we known that they were going to be so good, 
Oh, well. Yeah, we, we could have maybe broken them out into individuals. Anyway, please rate the podcast. Please review the podcast. I mean, I hope to hell you're subscribed already, but if you're not, hit that too. I'm not going to say tell your friends. I don't want you to make this like your whole personality that you love authorized, be the guy who can't stop talking about authorized. Tell a friend. But maybe if you're a malevolent ghost who lives at a lake, you could tell a couple of friends. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll take any listeners. Like I'll take <laughs> listens from people whose beliefs I despise. I want that on record. Okay. I think finally I figured out how to end the podcast after whatever, like 30 episodes. <clears throat> Hello, Mrs. Boone. Or as they called you around the school? <laughs> Kelly? I want you to make a choice. There's a big hole in the middle of the woods, which only I have the spikes to put at the bottom. Will you take them from me and put them at the bottom to save your life? Listen carefully, if you will. There are rules. Good night. That was thought one. Have you you're you as you're on Letterbox? You know Andrew's Letterbox profile. Have you seen his ranking of the Friday Thirteenth movie? No, I have not. I didn't look at it's it. Wrong. I, it's the wrong. Can I get a quick rundown? Yeah, let me give a quick rundown, please. Because, what? It, so what I'm pretty new to these, the... and I come with fresh virginal eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, what would you say are the Friday Thirteenth? Do you think are the best and the worst? Uh, the worst sort of is probably Jason Goes to Hell, yes. Jason X, in my opinion. Not great. I don't think five is very good. I can't remember the acronym. And the best... A New Beginning. Yes. Ugh, yes. <laughs> uh, and I think the best are four and six and eight. I really like Jason Takes Manhattan. I really like that one. <laughs> so should I start at Andrew's bottom or his top? Let's run it from the bottom, please. <laughs> All right, so he hasn't re-ranked the remake. I don't know if he's ever... Have you seen the remake? I've yet? never seen the remake, no. All I've right, only, well, let's... I've, I've we'll seen see that at is. this point every film but the remake. I'm so curious about All your right, remake so, thoughts. Yeah, <laughs> starting out at number 11, probably not a controversial choice, Jason X. Uh, anything you need to defend so far, Andrew? 
No, this is one of the ones that I've watched since the last episode, so I'll just share some thoughts on it. I really do love Jason in sci-fi setting, and I was impressed that the movie... I think this was a bad choice, but I was impressed by the choice nonetheless. The movie should have done like a salty and sweet thing, where it was like, here we are at Camp Crystal Lake, Jason's stalking through the woods. Wait, actually... Now he's with the government, and now he's in the future. Isn't this different? But instead, they're like, in the present day, Jason's being experimented on, and it already feels very sci-fi. So (laughs) I thought it was interesting that the movie just immediately was like, you know Jason, right? Well, he's in fucking Andromeda. Have fun. (laughs) Very literally, half the cast of Andromeda is in that movie. I had not thought about Lexa Doyle. (laughs) in like 15 years and then just all of these friday nights watching stargate sg1 came flooding back to me (laughs) um but no i say bad movie but i i was impressed i did find it satisfying to see him on spaceships and shit all right coming in at number 10 freddy versus jason haven't watched that in like two years but i see just seem to remember it's kind of boring am i wrong about that I think it's more middle of the pack. I think like Alien vs. Predator, it does the best it can with a concept that shouldn't work and probably shouldn't really happen. Right. Hannah, what do you think? I think um, Freddy vs. Jason does a couple things that I really like where they're like, we got to get Jason back to the lake. I always like when they want to get him back to the lake <laughs> and when he's water averse. Like the part where they're like, Jason is water, Freddy is fire. How do we use that? <laughs> like... That's the stuff I like in that movie. And the horror elements are not very good, I guess. Matt, how do you feel? Do you think he ranked FEJ a little lower? Just right. Uh, I just described myself as a Friday the 13th fan, and um, I've never seen this one. So uh, curious. I just like stopped watching them when I was going through my Blu-ray box Do you know the Nightmare set. films at all, though? Love those ones as well. Never. Right. I'm never sure you'll have a good time with See it. them get married. I've, I've I've heard a lot about it, and um, I think Andrew, the way you just put it, where I'm like, okay, if it's a premise that shouldn't exist, can we at least have fun with it, please? Yeah. So if it's boring, and they that's make, unfortunate. They make it as straightforward as possible. Mm-hmm. Like they they do the most streamlined, unabsurd version of it, and they fight a lot in it. So you know, if I, that's what you're going for. It's that very much it's versus. Okay. Well, I, my my guess would have been that the movie. <laughs> just like treaded water trying to keep them apart for as long as possible. And that would have been a bummer. So I'm glad that they get to like meet up and, and exchange some love. That's important. Both in like an abandoned Freddy area and then in a Jason Lake area. So you get a little of everything. That's perfect. That's perfect. Hannah, I'm definitely going to start saying about movies that are not versus movies. Like, I don't know. One of the things I really liked about it was it was pretty versus. (laughs) (laughs) I love that as a bit of criticism. (laughs) So coming on to number nine, the first of Andrew's rankings that I probably actually agree with, Friday 13th Part 3 in 3D. Terrible film. I I said this on the first episode, but I gave up on the series after three. I was like, I didn't really like one, two, three is awful. No good. Three has an amazing disco score, which bumps it up for me. Generally. I like three. I think for, for one and two and three to be the same movie, I think that's fun. And uh, yeah, third time around. I think I remember liking the kids a lot. I thought they were pretty fun. Marco, do you want to get into yeah. my real crimes? Sure. Uh, number eight, the original Friday 13th. 
Don't like it. Which we all agreed is about 50 minutes of movie and 40 minutes of people making coffee and popcorn and things like that. I think the filmmakers would even agree with that, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. But I, 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 I always thought it was a warm blanket. I like the people in it. I, I like the location. I think the stuff with Betsy Palmer is compelling. So disagree about it being that low. Yeah. I would say it's a warm blanket because it's soaked in piss. That would be my. (laughs) 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 All right. Moving on to number seven. Friday the 13th, part eight, Jason takes Toronto. I thought this movie was good. Okay? It's good. I'm here to... St- I, look, look, the the title is heinous. Oh. The movie should be it's called... It's a bald face look. Jason, Jason goes on a carnival cruise that terminates in New York City. But the boat Which, stuff is good. I really liked it. Well, I just wish it was a little more... Abs- like, it is absurd. It's certainly like a campier movie. I just wish it was full camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Fair. My my big take on it is it's the last Paramount movie, and they really wanted it to be and to feel like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie as much as possible. Like it has the same telekinetic kind of shit, the same kind of like of dream vision movie? stuff. No, telekinesis for, for, is seven. Seven. Well, okay, what's the it, stuff where she like sees him like floating, the kind of like dreamy oh, stuff, I guess right? That is eight. Yeah, it is very. Like, she has a bunch of visions a lot of him as a frog bit. boy. And it might be <laughs> when she's sleeping. Don't quote me on that. But there's a lot of like pipes and boiler rooms and steam, That's and it's true. just like sure. they really lean Any into the Freddy those. aesthetic. And they it were is, just like, I don't know, we we gotta. They're eating our lunch. We gotta try to do it. So I think it's it fun. is so funny that in. Uh, Manhattan because they're not <laughs> at Crystal Lake and they can't have some random townie go like don't go up there Jason will get ya that there's a dude who gets on the boat to be like no he's a crewman okay fine but like there's a, a dude man. who's specific to the boat who's like I know I'm not in Crystal Lake very often but I got thoughts about what you should and shouldn't do with Jason <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Perhaps my least favorite of your picks is number six, Friday Thirteenth Part Two, which I think is ranked far Way too low. low list. Maybe I'll re or I'll re like <laughs> stupid mouth. Maybe I'll like <laughs> you have to like it for the first more time. Uh, when I rewatch it. But yeah, the the, the the these movies with their with their personality list killer and their largely personality list victims and i felt the first oh disagree i think yeah i think you need to go back to two having now seen more of them because you'll see that Uh like that final girl has a personality and i think that two is the most jason ever has a personality he like gets scared he has things like he's a big galoot look i've been learning before i'll probably do it again (laughs) (laughs) so matt you uh said your least favorite was Jason goes to hell. Is that correct? Oh, it's up there. Yeah, I, I don't think it's well, very great. Coming in at number five on Andrew's list, <laughs> Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. Just a, a funny thing about Jason goes to hell, which I, at this point I get to this point with every franchise where I'm like they're doing something different, and I'm so starved for something different. But a funny thing about Jason goes to hell is having read Mother's Day, the first book in this series, mm-hmm. I expected the worm or the worms to be these little glowing maggots. And so 
as Hannah and Marco can attest, I finished the entire movie. And I was like, <laughs> where are the worms? <laughs> and Hannah was like, I, to be fair, I don't think it's a worm. worm? It is, I, I have never thought it was a worm. It's a, like a demon slug. It has arms. It was so big. I was like, obviously, this is like the, you know, the the skunk version of Jason. You know? <laughs> that movie sucks. Um, but we can we can rush through my crimes here. Marco, what, my, sure. my top part four. four uh, number four is part six. Jason lives. Cool movie. Yeah. Cool movie. Cool movie. Super fun. You know, I'm fine with it being in the top four. Yeah. Number three, part seven, the new blood. A telekinetic fights Jason. I defended this on the last episode. Moving on. Yeah. That is pretty high on my <laughs> list. Part I'm two. not gonna lie. So this is something I actually agree with Andrew that this should be in the top three. Part five. A new beginning, I think, is just a funny, awesome. funny ass movie. Really, <laughs> that movie it. knows what it is. That oh, exactly. It is. Where it like then sets up the the crazy mythology. Like once you're resurrected by lightning, like you kind of can do anything you want, and they do a lot with that. Thank you, number yeah. five. So wait, that puts what did I have at one? A good one, right? 